right, let's go to our text messages and let's look at what we've got here coming through. Now, I did ask a question at the beginning of the show. You did? I did. A one-month birthday is a thing in the first oh, year. Okay, yikes. So, so we had a few people text through. I um, said I'm against it. David says this. David says, my first and second daughters post photos every month celebrating their child's month age. Mm-hmm. My first daughter's son now two months. My second daughter's my second daughter's second son is five months. So there you go. Okay, okay, okay. I will say this. Like, it's fine to celebrate each month, but they don't have a month birthday, like, because it's not a birthday. Okay, somebody else texts through <laughs> and says, unfortunately, yes, people do celebrate celebrate month milestones. Thankfully, no gifts, though. Because, be you know, any gift that you give to a child that is under the age of, what, a year and a half is a gift to the parents. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yes, it's a gift to the parents. Let's, let's be real about that. You can go over there and give them the cutest little toy that you've ever come across, as our granddaughter may have got last night, where mm. a little itty-bitty meerkat, I think it was. That's cute. Um, it's a gift for the parents. Yeah, that's right. The parents are like, oh, that's cute. Nice. The, our, our granddaughter was like, gah. <laughs> <laughs> she was just sweet. Uh, okay, what have we got coming up here? All right, and this one is in relationship to um, our discussion about big corporations mm-hmm. funding um, university degrees for people, scholarships. And this one was uh, this is pretty much exactly the same as what the Commonwealth Bank did with the kids' banking program, which they said aimed at helping kids banking, but really only locked a bunch of kids into their bank. Yes, we had the choice to leave, but they knew they knew that studies showed that most people don't. But they also incentivized the program by paying, in quote, bribes to the school to run their program. I actually remember that program. Yeah. I, I went to this little country school that had uh, between eight and 12 students in it total. That was years yeah. one through six. And I had this program in my school and got us all signed up to the Commonwealth Bank. Was that the bank book thing? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, said yeah. Bank book. Oh, I didn't. I I never got into that, but it was kind of phasing out whilst and, I, and, I and remember. And they'd give you a piggy bank, and you go and put your coins in it. Yeah, your pocket money in it, and then every now and then you'd take it down to the post office because that was the bank branch in those days. Yeah, for the Commonwealth Bank, and they'd crack open the piggy bank and tell you how much was in there, and put it in your bank, and you'd have it, and you'd go home with your bank book with this number written in it, and it's like. I don't know what this number means, but there is a number in my bank book. Yeah, we would do that. All that would happen through our school, basically. And, right. uh, but I think by the time I was like in year five or six, they were like phasing that out. I, I, does I think so. I think that, No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I haven't heard it for a very long time. My kids certainly never had anything to do with it. But um, mm. yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't until I, I didn't change banks and well, why, why bother, you know, until, um, <laughs> until I got married and Shell randomly picked the different bank and that was it there you go anyway um somebody else says here we are mortal not spiritual because we're according to first corinthians three sixteen, living soul according to genesis 2 7 yeah anyway um looking for some more clarification on that particular text right there let's see what else we've got scrolling 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 i think that was maybe that was in the relationship to the interview it was yeah still not sure exactly yeah, because yeah, anyway, David the, made the point that the we're sentence, spiritual The sentence people. structure in the text didn't quite work. Okay, fair enough. So, all right, somebody talking about um, 
your story on cars that charge themselves as they drive down the freeway? Yeah. says, I'm still waiting for flying cars. I know that many companies have operational flying cars, but I haven't seen one flying over my head as yet. This is 2021. Remember the cartoon, The Jetsons? Yeah. So there you go. Uh, There's one on the... um, on the situation in Pakistan with the mm. blasphemy laws, it says the British Empire was actually built by the British trading, trading Company. You probably know the history, which is very sad. Religious laws are coming from the lawmakers, not the people. Oof. And the lawmakers are obviously not necessarily religious. Mm. They just make religious laws because they think it will be easier for them. I'm, I'm adding this in now. This is my comment. Um, they thought it would make religious laws would make it easier for them to trade. Mm. That was why those laws were made, and that's why they're still there, and that's why they're creating so much absolute disaster in places like Pakistan. Mm. Um, and, yeah, having spoken about... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is two texts from the same person, and, and, and them both coming back to back I think is interesting. I think it's significant. Here's the first one. We're being told what we must say and think for the last two years. Now we are even told to dob in your neighbours. Welcome to Communist China, the democracy of the future. Mm. Oof. So heavy one right, right there. So it's yeah. just like, you know, we live in some pretty heavy times right now and you can see the, uh, the, 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 the restrictions growing and growing and growing every day, new restrictions being added and new regulations as far as, you know, what will get you out of lockdown and so forth. Mm. Anyway, continuing on from there, this person goes on to say... The same person says, because that's pretty scary stuff and, mm. and certainly adds a lot of pressure. He says, in this crazy world we live in, my anxiety levels are very low. Wow. I know my God is in charge in all my affairs, but more than that, he actually loves me. Mm. All caps. Uh, in spite of my many imperfections, he is in charge of my life, so I willingly ask for his will to be done in my life. No matter what's happening in my life, he is actually there. Wow. That is text message of the day. All right. Right there. Okay, I think that's uh, we're coming is that everything. In. That's it. We've got that through all of our text messages. We do love to hear from you guys. Do send your messages through. If you'd like to make a comment on the Bible study, we're about to start that right now. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. And so if you are at home doing lockdown at the moment, then you will be able to turn to this, which you can't normally do when you are trundling down the freeway on the way on your commute to work, wherever that might be. Okay, so Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Lawson is going to look it up in a real translation for us, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I don't want... You have um, it memorized. I have it memorized. So if I read it in the wrong translation, it will just be a mess, dude. It's just not going to work. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20, the Bible says... No, 20 and verse 8. Sorry, 20 and verse 8. Oh, wake up. All right, let's do this. 20 and verse 8, the Bible says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Fantastic stuff right there. Okay, so when you look at um, the Sabbath commandment right here, it begins with which word? Remember. 
Okay, so remember, if you're telling somebody to remember something, uh-huh. like uh, remember what we talked about yesterday, mm. right? That means that it already existed, that it already happened. That's right. right? So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what's really important about the Sabbath commandment when, when God says remember. There is more to it than what we often think. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So a lot of people often read this verse and they assume that God is telling us not to forget the Sabbath when mm. he says remember the Sabbath. But there's far more to it than that because when God says remember the Sabbath, it's a very different beginning to any commandment that he has ever had before. He is clearly referencing something that already exists. That's a really good point because he could say like remember not to commit idolatry you know, it could be like, remember not to commit murder, and it would have the same meaning as the Sabbath. Yes, it would. It would have. Uh, you know, as soon as you say, as soon as you put the word "remember" there, and whichever context you use, because if it's if it, if God is using this in the context of remember the Sabbath, in other words, don't forget the Sabbath. Mm. So he could have, you know, a synonymous way of writing that commandment could have been, "Don't forget the Sabbath." Mm. You don't start the commandment by saying, "Don't forget the Sabbath." if they've never heard of the Sabbath. Mm. And people say that the Sabbath began at Mount Sinai. Now, of course, we read it in Genesis chapter 2 yesterday and looked at the whole context of how the Sabbath was given to humanity for humanity's use in Genesis chapter 2. So if the Sabbath began at Mount Sinai and is just a Jewish thing and God only wants Jewish people to have a public holiday once a week, doesn't care about the rest of us, then why does God begin that commandment by saying, remember? Mm. You can only say that about something that already exists. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it says, remember the Sabbath day, and then it says, don't work on this day. Mm. Okay, so is this a benefit to society or is this a hindrance to society? There are many, particularly during the industrial age, who would say, well, this was a massive hindrance to society because, you know, in a competitive society, your competitors will get the edge on you if you don't work your employees harder than what they are. Mm. And so you had this push, you know, during the industrial era where working days got longer and longer and longer. Days off became things that were non-existent. There was a very strong, very, very powerful religious push that Sundays would be a day off. And that disappeared during the Industrial Revolution Mm. because it's like, no, we need to keep this factory running 24-7. It needs to be running around the clock. That's the only efficient way to run it. It needs to never stop. And all of that in, from the Industrial Revolution created the world in which we are today. And the world in which we are today, we find ourselves with the reaction to the Industrial Revolution, which is trade unions. And trade unions standing up and saying, no, we're not going to have a 17-hour day. We're going to have an 8-hour day or less. And then we have you know, people suddenly recognizing that actually we make a lot more money that way. Mm. And then you have the trade unions coming and saying, no, we're going to have a weekend. And, you know, or rolling shifts or whatever it might be. And suddenly we found that, you know, Western society that had shorter working days and that had a weekend suddenly dominated the whole world. Yeah, wow. 
because we got back to uh, what the whole you know biblical model was. Even though we didn't get back to keeping the Sabbath, we got back to a more biblical model. Mm. And now we're at a point where we are recognizing that it's not just us that needs a break. Our planet needs a break as well. Mm. And that's a great thing. I, I love the fact that people are recognizing that and they're saying, look, let's have, let's just have a day off. Let's, let's shut everything down for one day a week. Mm. Now, of course, the day they choose is universally going to be Sunday. I get that. I know where that's pointed and where that's headed. You know, the Bible talks about that in great detail. We're going to have a Bible study on that someday. But we find that um, the principle, the concept behind it is a biblical principle and a biblical concept and it is the world trying, just starting to figure out that God made this place mm. and that we need it and creation needs it. Okay, read to for me the, uh, the, the uh, verse 11 there, please. Yeah, uh, in verse 11... Uh, the Bible says here, For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed uh, the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, so there's very strong connection between the Sabbath and the environment mm. in that passage. Yeah. This is a, a commandment that is vastly different from any of the other commandments. Yeah, that's right. All of the other commandments are just don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. This commandment says don't do this, in other words, work on the Sabbath, because I'm God. Mm. I'm the creator of heaven, earth, sea, the fountains of waters, everything that is in them. You don't find that statement in relationship to any other commandments. There's other commandments just like that shall not kill, that shall not lie, that shall not steal. Yeah. The, the, and the Honor re- your father and mother. Like, well, because I think like the, the reason to not kill and steal is relatively self-explanatory. Yes. But it's interesting here. It's like he doesn't even say like, oh, because your circadian rhythm will be better if you, you know, take a day. You know, you'll, you'll, exp- you'll be more productive. His reasoning for keeping the Sabbath day is very much in the sentimental, um, very much in, in the relational aspect and in the creation aspect and in the spiritual aspect. I think, which is is important to highlight, like, you know, what attitude then should we have towards the Sabbath? Is it just a rest day? Yes. Like, because people have rest days all the time. You know, we have the weekend. We have, you know, people understand that rest is a good thing. And that's what we've been talking about in our in our study as we've going, been going through each week is that we need rest from these different problems that come up in life. But how is it that we actually approach the Sabbath? Is it just another rest day? Is it just a nap? Or is there something actually going on there? Hmm. Yes, indeed. It's not just a nap. It is a day of worship. Mm. You know, people are going to be blessed by it, even if they don't worship on that day. You're going to, have a, you're going to be blessed just by having a day where you don't go shopping, you don't go to work, yeah. you don't stress out, you don't you spend time with family, and you have a day of relaxation. Like, there's a reason why, like, we get together for Christmas every year, right? Even yes. in family, like, my family is com- like secular as we get together for Christmas every year. Like, you know, everyone brings their presents and the food and everything. And it's because it's like no work, like no struggles, no anything, just like presents and food and, you know, summer in Australia too, hanging out. Like, I'm so glad we have Christmas in summer. Dude, oh, growing up, like I lived on a, on a block 
that was, it was like a four acre block on the waterfront on the lake. Yes. It was like literally, and it, it, we jagged getting that house for like an absolute steal, you know, in the mid two thousands during a lull in the, in the, in the housing bubble and everything. It was like the best thing ever. And, and when I grew up there and yeah, Christmases would be, we had, um, the, the, the hill would roll off and then kind of, yeah, go down and then flatten out and then it would be the lake. And so we'd set up a big slippery dip, you know, a big tarp, wet it up with soap and water and slide down the tarp. And like, it's just the, the best thing ever. And next door neighbors, they took it to the next step where they went the one that went from the top of the hill all the way down and then jump into the lake at the end. Awesome. And that was Christmas, like every year, like just, you know, getting the tarps out, hanging out with friends, having our cousins come up from Victoria, like, because we recognize that those days in which we just don't have those stresses of work or whatever it may be, um, and we can spend time together in community are incredible. Like, yes. they're like cherished, hallowed experiences that That's we right. love. And it's like, dude. Oh, well, God said you can have that every week. <laughs> like something truly special here. It's it's awesome. It is. It is absolutely, absolutely the best gift that God has ever given to us. This is a quote right here from the uh, 20 Million Movement Bible Study. It says, since the Sabbath is a memorial of the work of creation, it is a token of the love and power of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so here's something to think about, you know, the importance of the doctrine of a six-day creation. Um, after all, what other teaching is so important that God commands that we devote one-seventh of our lives every week without exception to remembering it? Mm. What should this fact alone teach us about how crucial it is that we remember our true origins as depicted in the book of Genesis? Now, I'm going to jump in on this for a moment because we had David uh, helped here talking a little bit earlier about how powerful spirituality is to helping people with mental health issues Mm. and how the key there was understanding the character of God and when people can get an understanding of a personal loving God who wants to have a relationship with them, then that is the most powerful thing to helping them with their Christian experience, with their, sorry, with their mental health. You're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM positively different. Vincent has texted Sue through to say amen to the text of the day. The text of the day was one that I picked there that uh, was this one right here, which says, in this crazy world we live in, my anxiety levels are very low. I know my God is in charge of all my affairs, but more than that, he actually loves me. In spite of my many imperfections, he is in charge of my life, so I willingly ask for his will to be done in my life. No matter what's happening in my life, he is actually there. Oof. That's text of the day right there. Powerful. Fantastic stuff. So we need to get back to our Bible study where we were looking at... Uh, the Sabbath is being a memorial of creation. Yes. And we were talking during our interview with David Haupt how important it is for people to have a correct understanding of the character of God. Mm. Now, here's what happens. Uh, if you look at our world today, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make a, a statement that is kind of sad and kind of good in the same way but mostly sad. Mm. So within our church... Uh, so this is this station is sponsored by the Seventh Day Adventist Church. About eighty percent of people believe in creation. Okay, that's that's, that's lower of, than I thought. That's in the United States, it's only seventy percent. Okay, so that's pretty sad. Mm. 
On the plus side, our next nearest competitor are Baptists who sit at 30%. Really? Okay, now I want you to think about this for a moment. Your alternatives to creation is theistic creation or evolution. Mm -hmm. Now, for a Christian who believes in God, unless you become an atheist Christian, say, our Christianity is a great philosophy, I'll live my life philosophically a Christian. We do have those kind of Christians, which is just the most bizarre thing, but whatever. Your your only option is theistic evolution. Mm. Now, if you're going to accept theistic evolution, if you're going to do away with the Ten Commandments, if you're going to do away with what the Bible says here where it says in six days God created the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters, if you're going to do away with that passage, right, and you're going to say that God created our world over millions and millions of years, then the primary means of creation becomes death. Mm. Because for evolution, evolution doesn't work unless you have the mass dying off of all uh, lower forms of life so that the higher forms of life can continue and to evolve. Mm. And so, you know, some of those theories are things such as, you know, ideas where you know, God created a planet, he seeded it with DNA, which has information in it, and everything grew from that DNA over many millions of years. But you don't escape the fact that God's primary means of creation is death. That's right. And people wonder why spirituality isn't helping people these days amongst Christians as much as it should. I find it remarkable that it helps them as much as it does because if God's primary means of creation is death, then we have a God who would who would love death mm. because death would be the most powerful force in the universe because death has created everything that we see that is alive. Wow. You know, you stop and wrap your head around that for a moment. That is a horrific picture of God. Compare that to a picture of God who created our world in six days, who... Uh, created human beings in his own image, who formed them out of the dust of the ground, who then first of all had a conversation with them and then created a partner for the first man. And he didn't speak that partner into existence. He created that partner, nor did he even make it out of the dust of the ground. He made it out of a part of the first man, Mm. incredibly intimate, and then spent an entire day with them, the first Sabbath day. You know, you start to put all of that into context, that is vastly different from a God who stands back, throws some DNA seed at a random planet and then disappears to a far corner of the universe to see what happens and to watch death take place over millions or billions of years. I find it then incredibly interesting, like, you know, particularly you brought up Baptists, but there are many people who subscribe to the notion of predestination. Amongst Baptists, it's particularly with Reformed theology. Yes. Um, it's 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 a big thing, and I'm like, how do how can a God be so sovereign that all of our choices are predetermined, yet He can't even create the world in six days? Like, I, I don't I don't understand what's going like, and, and that's why this. It's no wonder so you have awesome. so many atheists who look at Christians and just shake their head and go, "These guys are nut jobs," because it's so inconsistent. That's right. You know, you have you have your extreme Calvinism where, you know, God essentially creates some people so that he can burn them for eternity. Mm. You know? And and I, I really try to understand the method and, and the mindset behind that, uh, by interacting with these people in some levels and it it just seems as though that And their that, desperation to defend that kind of a God. Yeah. And their that consistent answer to that question is like when it's when it's brought up as like oh his way his ways are higher than ours. That's Which, not an ant. 
that that's is not an not answer. An answer. <laughs> like, that's just a way of saying, I don't know the answer. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and it's because, like, there's no there's no way we can justify it. Now, I, I understand we're also finite human beings, but you start We're not going to know everything there is to know about God, but God says, come now and let us reason together. And he says, I'm a God of love. Yes. And if you can't see that in the Bible, then... And, and if God's not going to answer that question... You know, that's a question that God is obviously going to answer. How are you a God of love? Okay, let me tell you and let me demonstrate how I am a God of love. You know what? That's a really fantastic... That brings my mind to, you know, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, right? The parable that, yes. that Jesus gives. And the ultimate point of that is that, you know, unless people believe on God through the word of God and through what he's revealed in the word of God um, and believe in him and follow him because of that, like, you know, they won't... Be changed they won't be said obviously yeah, god, even, if, even if someone came back from the dead that wouldn't make any difference exactly um you know god obviously gives provision for ignorance and all these different things but it's talking to a, a jewish crowd of people who know god who are who are you know there they know the scriptures and if they don't believe because of that like then god can't do anything more because like this is this is the pinnacle right here mm-hmm. and if it describes this god that built like why would god be lying to them that oh I, I made you in six days, you know I created you, I formed you, you know the I I love you and I care about you, and that there was no death, and like why would God be lying to us through this book that is supposed to be the number one a one best method of us for no, to know Him? Why is He lying to us? Like that's that's the question that I have for for Christians who resolve to that idea that oh no it must have been theistic evolution. Why are you doing what? what the rich man was warned not to do, which exactly. is looking somewhere else to find God mm-hmm. rather than the word. Mm-hmm. And and that I think circles back to, uh, to the Sabbath itself, because it's like the express purpose. Like if we kept the Sabbath and as, as our, as our habit in our lives, it ultimately recognizes and says, we believe in a God who created us in six yes. days. Yes. Like, you know, it doesn't say over a period of time. No, the Sabbath command is very clear. In six days, he created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, including us. Um, man, no wonder, like, so many Christian struggles today. And I feel like this is just a solution to their problems. Dude, it oh, is. There's so much that can be said. Well, oh, we have, we have that's a couple right. more days. Yes, indeed we do. <laughs> so we'll save some of that for tomorrow. There are good things to talk about here on our Bible study. Once again, if you'd like to, we've got some text messages we'll talk about in just a moment, but if you'd like to have your say, we love to hear from you guys. So do send us a message or give us a call. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. What is the question today? Genesis chapter 9 and verse 3 is the verse that we're dealing with today. We've been on a real hot string here of of just looking at um, all of these verses to do with, well, does the Bible say you can eat unclean meats? Genesis chapter 9 and verse 3 is the verse for today. Where the Bible says, Every moving thing that lives shall be meat for you, shall be food for you, even as the green herb have I given you all. All things. Interesting passage right here. Uh, A lot of people claim that at this particular point, God gave humanity everything to eat. 
And now what is relevant for us is that if that was the case, which it wasn't because we've got to look at the context of this in just a moment, but if that was the case, it would make God, first of all, inconsistent and it also wouldn't apply for us because Leviticus chapter 11 comes after this particular passage. And so we could then argue that God gave Adam and Eve uh, fruits, grains and nuts in the Garden of Eden, outside of the Garden of Eden, he added vegetables. Then at the beginning of the flood, he added clean meats. At the end of the flood, he added everything. Then in Leviticus chapter 11, he took everything away and took it back to clean meats, and nothing has changed since then. So we could argue it that way, which means that the law of clean and unclean meats still remains. However, that would be most unusual. We can understand why God adds things to the human diet. Uh, when God cursed the ground, then obviously, you know, the nutrition that we were, what was available through fruits, grains, and nuts was not sufficient. And so God added vegetables in. And along with adding vegetables, of course, came death. Because when you eat a potato or you eat a carrot or a parsnip, you have death, death of the plant, and death did not exist before sin. Then at the time of the flood, what does God do? God destroys all vegetation, and so he gives humanity flesh to eat, and he specifically divides between the clean and the unclean. And so in Genesis chapter 7, the Bible says, uh, The Lord said to Noah, Come you and all your house into the ark, for you have I seen righteous before me in this generation of every clean beast. You shall take to you by sevens, the male and his female, and the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Clearly, if God gave them everything to eat, then most species would be extinct because as soon as you eat one of them, if there's only a male and a female, then that species is now extinct. And so when God says take the clean ones on by sevens, then obviously those are ones that are going to be available for food so that he could provide for you know the food that they would need while they were on the ark uh, in, in as a supplement to the grain storage that they had and so forth. And so in chapter 9 when he says, look, I've given you all of the living things to eat, it's all of the living things that are clean that he has already specified as being clean and that he later specifies in Leviticus chapter 11. This is not God making a change right here. This is God simply speaking in the context of chapter 7. And obviously in chapter 9, if he gave them everything and you've only got pears that are available, then that's going to be a major problem. You can't give them everything to eat. If you're going to do that until, well, they've actually done some breeding here on the earth and the earth has begun to be repopulated once again. And so this would, if this was the case, then God would be entirely inconsistent. What we find is that God is consistent from one end of the Bible to the other. At creation, he gives us fruits, grains, and nuts. After sin, he gives us vegetables. At the time of the flood, he gives us clean meats. And nothing has changed from that point until this point. All right, this is Chris Rupp with I Love to Tell the Story. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.